0: Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition locked on NBA podcast. Every Monday I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from locked on. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for locked on NBA podcast available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma city thunder earn a statement win over Minnesota. SGA absolutely dominates. Chet Holmgren makes the adjustments, and Lou Dort could not miss. All coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHunderpod. Email the show, LOTHunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Game Time, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder, earning a statement win. Over the Minnesota Timberwolves, SGA dominates this game. Lou Dort was on fire. Meechich minutes happened. We'll talk about it all on today's show. Brought to you by Game Time. Go download the Game Time app. Create your account. Use code Locked NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. What a game this was! You know, the Thunder coming into this game fully healthy. Jada was questionable with an illness. He played, played very well. Josh Giddy, questionable with an ankle injury. He played, played well. Carl Anthony Towns came in questionable for Minnesota. He missed their previous game. He plays in this one as well. So both teams fully healthy. This is the best team in the West in Minnesota, the best defense in the NBA in Minnesota, and a team who is viewed as an awful matchup for OKC, a team who's already beat OKC, and you know the Thunder have not even lost double-digit games yet. They now improved to nineteen and nine. Minnesota drops to twenty-two and seven, but. If you go back to what the environment was, what the vibes were following that loss in Minnesota, right? it felt like, oh, the Thunder can't beat Minnesota. They can't beat good teams like Minnesota, like Sacramento. That was what was put on them following that loss. They they got a big lead in the first quarter, about double-digit lead in the first quarter. Minnesota switches it to zone, and it just looks... Devastating. It looks like there's non-players on the court, things like that. And on the first night of back-to-back, Oklahoma City got to rest their starters late in the game because they won 129 to 106 against Minnesota. And the Thunder proved in this one that they are legit. And you look at this stretch, you know, we've been we've been bullish on this Thunder team, especially in the regular season. But it's always come with a caveat of it's early, it's a young team. But we made this next five games layout. And so far, they're through three games with two wins. And if they somehow split the second night of a back-to-back against New York and a road game in Denver, that would put them at New Year's Eve against Brooklyn with at most 10 losses. And it would really just continue to legitimize the season at hand. They've made it through Christmas as a top three team in the West for the majority of that time being a a top two team in the West. They've taken on a Clippers team that won nine in a row, a Lakers team that called it a must win a Timberwolves team that was supposedly a bad matchup for OKC. And not to say that every game will trend this way, but I think that this game, more so than what it means for these two teams specifically, I think it just shows that the Thunder, looking at them only in this, the Thunder can compete with any team. This should reaffirm to you that there is no matchup, and there's no series where you go into it and just say there's no chance the thunder can win this obviously some are tougher than others obviously you know you're going to want to avoid certain matchups if you can help it but that's going to be the case for every basketball team to ever grace the floor there's always going to be good and bad matchups but this team doesn't have impossible matchups there are no matchups for this team where you look at it and just throw your hands up and say if you can just steal a game a gentleman's sweep would be considered a good series from this team. And it's because you saw SGA dominate. It's because you saw Chet Holmgren make the adjustments against Rudy Gobert and against Minnesota. And in big games, against big matchups, Lou Dort continues to play exceptionally well. And sometimes there's just these players who have a knack for rising their level of play when games dictate it they play up to the moment and while it's not a huge sample size right we're not going to pretend that ludor has played in a billion big games in his career but every time that a game feels like it has some extra juice feels like it it, it means a little bit more than a ho hum game ludor has a knack for m- making the right plays and making big plays and so this Thunder team, I think, is a top-four team in the West. We can go on down the line about what the playoffs and what that means. But they can compete with anyone. And I think that Minnesota showed that. Because the head of the snake is an MVP. Like, SGA put out there over 30 points. He had 30 points at the end of the third quarter. It just so happened that he only had to play 33 minutes tonight, or else that. Thirty-four points. That uh, would have been a lot more. He scored four points in the fourth quarter, and the Thunder won, one twenty-nine to one hundred six. But he was hitting tough mid-range shots early and often. He had an awesome pass to J Dub around Cat on the two-on-one, a bounce pass around Cat for the slam. He went. He went spinning through the lane and kicked it out to Lou Dort in the corner for three. Hitting tough step through moves after he got switched on to Rudy, isolated him, backs him down, gets him in the air, step through, easy bucket. And what is so encouraging is that there is no Shea stopper, right? No matter what you do game to game, more often than not, Shea's going to find a way to succeed. And you saw that against Minnesota. They threw everything at Shea, and none of it worked. They threw Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert, Kyle Anderson. They threw everything at SGA. Jaden McDaniels, and it did not matter. Nas Reed at times, and it did not matter. SGA was able to shoot 73%. From the floor. And you can talk all you want about free throws and and getting calls. SGA took a lot of contact and only shot seven free throws. Went six for seven at the charity stripe. And Anthony Edwards, you know, to his credit, got got 13 free throws. Got to the line a lot, you know, drove hard to the rim, scored 25 points in this game. But SGA gets it done on both ends, two steals and a block. He is truly an MVP caliber player. I don't think that you can have him lower than three right now on your ballot. But for a guy who finished top five last year in MVP and was a first-time All-Star and was all NBA first team, it felt like there was not another gear to hit, not another step to, to, to take, not another leap to make. But he's done it somehow. The motor to play on both ends is out of this world, and and it is an unbelievably rare occurrence to do it night in and night out on the perimeter. There are guys who can rear back and get that fastball, right, in the playoffs or in certain matchups. They can rear back and go go play that way for 48 minutes of, of playing excellent defense and leading the way offensively. There's not very many guards who can do it on both ends every single night, who can have SGA's usage rate on offense and be as good as him on defense. That is truly unprecedented in Adam Silver's NBA. Like this is this is something to behold of what, what, what SGA is doing. And again, what's so encouraging is, I don't know how you take him away. This is a guy who who does not light it up from three, in fact goes 0 for 3 tonight from three, and still shoots 73%. 0 for 3 from three on really good looks, and still shot 73% from the floor. That shows you how good he was inside the arc to still hit that number. This is a guy who, who, who you would live with shooting a three because, for whatever reason, they just don't go in often enough for SGA. And yet you still can't guard him you still don't know where, where to pick them up on the floor. Like, like most of the time, there's a, there's a detail-oriented scouting report of when to pick up guys whenever they bring the ball to the floor. How much space to give them, how much pressure to put on them at certain areas on the floor. No matter what you choose to do, it's wrong when you're defending a Shia. You can't give them the mid-range, so you can't back off and, and try to wall up at the rim. Right, And if you press too far up in the mid-range to take away his mid-range shot, he can just use an assortment of moves to get to the basket. And then if you send help and you rotate hard or double-team or blitz him off the pick-and-roll or collapse in the paint as he's driving, then he's just going to beat you with math of, hey, there's three guys on me, somebody's open. And he has a knack for finding the right guy. There's oftentimes he finds the right guy and the shot just doesn't go in. So it doesn't necessarily boost his assist numbers, but the process was still there to where then you get nights like this, where Chet's hitting threes, Isaiah Joe's hitting threes, Dort's hitting threes, and you get nights like this one from SGA. For all intents and purposes, he played three quarters and had nine assists and 34 points. A unreal game from SGA. And... Again, Minnesota's fully healthy. Minnesota went to that dreaded zone early on in this game, and it did not work. A lot of this comes down to make or miss, and, and you saw that you know unfold these last two games. The Thunder could not hit water out of a boat against the Lakers, and they could not miss against the Timberwolves. Part of that is just the way the ball bounces, but part of that is because of how talented the Thunder team is. So it's interesting to kind of note but when you break down this game, you can continue to see how the Thunder can match up with anyone. But you should be matching up with our good friends over at eBay Motors because eBay Motors is here for you twofold. Number one, they've teamed up with our good friends at Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Josh Lloyd, to bring you the best fantasy picks each week and all season long. So no matter if you are prepping uh, for your daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, Each week, they're going to provide for you the guaranteed fit for your roster. eBay Motors, guaranteed fit, fantasy pick of the week. Josh Lloyd has laid out some players to choose from. Dante Exum, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jalen Johnson, and Torian Prince. I would really be interested in Isaiah Hartenstein with Mitchell Robinson out for the season. And uh, Jericho Sims is also banged up a little bit. I'd be interested in him. I'd also be interested in Dante Exum, but I'm going to go with Isaiah Hartenstein for this one, uh, for the eBay Motors fantasy pick of the week uh, to make sure that you have the perfect fit for your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors uh, will deliver you the championship on and off the road with this perfect fit because with eBay Motors, they also have over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die to make sure that ride stays running, keeps on running uh, for you. Uh, eBay Motors will get you brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs to keep going. eBay Motors has it for you with their guaranteed fit. And I love it because, frankly, I don't know anything about cars, nothing. So I just tell them I make, my model, my year, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle. So make sure you're burning rubber, not cash, at eBay Motors. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay's guaranteed fit is only available for U.S. customers, and it's eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. But check them out today, eBay Motors. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball, folks. What a time this is! Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and on YouTube because this is going to be a fun second half of the season in Oklahoma city and a fun postseason return got to the play in last year in OKC playoffs is what's inbound this year. That's partly due to Chet Holmgren. You look at this game as a whole from Chet got past Rudy Gobert on the bounce a lot, was able to pull off a give and go with with Josh Giddey where, uh, you know, Chet's on ball uses a pump fake to get Rudy in the air dishes it off to Josh Giddey and sprints to the rim. The pass from Giddy feeds into a perfectly uh, open and good layup from Chet at the rim, uh, rim finish for Chet there. And you're also seeing his creativity just as an on-ball weapon and kind of why the Thunder, I think, placed a point of emphasis on playmaking and decision-making and using guys who can process the game quickly. Because Chet Holmgren, like we've seen – In these first 25, 6, 7, 8 games, we've seen Chet Holmgren hit many a turnaround off-balance shot. Because of his body control and because of his balance, he's able to knock down those shots, even over AD. He had a chance like that against Kyle Anderson, where he's kind of fading, kind of off-balance a little bit. But if the shot goes up, it probably will go in. It might go in. And even if it doesn't, there's going to be no boo-hooing on the sidelines or in the crowd or anywhere else. But he kicks it out to SGA and uses SGA as a connector to swing the ball to Isaiah Joe for a wide-open three. A good shot turns into a great shot because you have two guys who are insanely fast at processing the game. Because the help came down from Joe, and Chet knew he could use SGA as a vessel to get the ball to Joe because it was a tougher angle to get the ball straight to Joe. And it just generates this wide open three again from what would have been a fine shot for Chuck to shoot. He also has done a really good job of being a quick, a quick re screener, which is a tough task. Like I know that like he's playing center and you're supposed to be able to screen as a center, but the re screen is tough to pull off because you so easily can get hit with an illegal screen because you're trying to screen and screen again uh, off of the initial action. But his rescreen on one possession freed up Wiggins to knife through the paint and then Wiggins dumped it off to j dub for an easy finish and it all started by that second Chet screen for Wiggins. but there were drives where and eventually Chet did get a block, but there were drives where like Chet didn't register a block and unless you go back in the NBA box score and look at every field goal attempt, you're not gonna you're not gonna see it show up uh, in the box score. But there were drives from Rudy and from other players where Chet gets, you know, doesn't get a block or anything, but it, he absolutely finishes and kaputs a drive where there's nothing Minnesota can do except throw the ball away at the rim or throw up a wild shot that had no chance of going in. But there was a certain sequence that shows you just how special Chet is. Starting at the top of the key, he drives in, Eurostep layup, On the other end, comes back down. Minnesota's pushing off of a a make. Comes back down the other end. Gets two straight rim contests. Denies the first one. Denies the second one. Gets the rebound off of that second miss. And gets a stop for the Thunder and gets to push the pace for the Thunder. That was one fell sequence. Again, it goes back to motor it goes back to level of engagement a nice euro step layup right back down the floor to get in defensive position and then he's so good at the recovery after the initial jump like watching Chet Holmgren jump and like he really does jump he doesn't like just throw his arms up and hope for the best cuz he's 7-1 like he jumps and attacks the ball but he gets back down on the floor and can re-jump as though there are just springs in his legs. He embarrassed Rodrigo Bear multiple times, step back in the mid-range, getting around him off the dribble, knocking down threes whenever nobody was out there, contesting him, which again presents a tough guard and a tough matchup for other teams. And I'll say it for Chet specifically. Remember what was said about Chet against this very team less than a month ago against this very team. Couldn't play against Rudy. In this very game, Rudy posters Chet and gives him an extra flex, and then from there on, from that moment forward, was when Chet did the majority of his damage. But he makes the adjustments to this point in his career. He's made the adjustments game to game, matchup to matchup, which continues to let you buy into All that you hear about him being a hoop junkie and him being somebody who who really studies the game because he's able to make such great adjustments against these top-level players. This is a multi-time defensive player of the year. One of the most respected defensive big men. And Chet goes for 20 points, 5 assists, 4 rebounds, a block, 61% from the floor, and 3 for 6 from 3. And so going back to the to the next five games, which is already three games down now, they've gone two and one. What can they do against New York? What can they do against Denver? But Chet was a part, and that leads us right into J-Dub, of why the Thunder got this impressive win. Because the Thunder did a good job like, like uh, of just controlling the game in general. This is a game that was back and forth, but back and forth within reason. It's a make-or-miss league. The center team can play with anybody. But OKC eventually grew that 25-point lead. Minnesota never led by more than three. There were only two lead changes and three ties all game. Two lead changes, three ties. For for a large portion of this game, there were moments where Minnesota gets within three, gets within four, gets within five, in that kind of range of like, it's still only a one-possession, two-possession game. There were moments like that. But each time Minnesota countered, Oklahoma City countered. And it was so impressive to see. And this is the big difference from last year's team to this year's team. This is the big difference, I think, from your starting point of a, of, of building out a roster from where it was the first go-around Oklahoma City. You know, SGA plays the entire third quarter as usual the Thunder build an 11-point lead, 10-point lead to in the third, and SGA goes to the bench as normal. And we've seen time and time again how critical the non-SGA minutes are. And for SGA to be able to leave a game and oftentimes come back to either a maintain lead or a, you know a, a five-point fluctuation either direction, three-point fluctuation either direction is so valuable because Shea is a player who, the moment you insert him back into a game, he doesn't need possessions to ramp up. He is just in attack mode, just in kill mode. And what Chet Holmgren helped the Thunder do is that is that he helped J-Dub and he helped the Thunder fill that void with SGA not on the floor Expand the lead with SGA not on the floor and put this game to bed early on to where the Thunder legitimately were resting their guys at the end of this game, which is so valuable on the front end of a back to back. SGA played three minutes in the fourth quarter. Three minutes in the fourth quarter. If you would have said that, you know, 12 hours ago, What direction do you think that this game went? But the Thunder have the depth to be able to handle moments like this, where J-Dub looks so comfortable running the floor as the lead guy. He had a hot shooting night from start to finish in this one. Was hitting some really impressive threes. Hit a a contested three, off-balance three even goes four for six from beyond the arc, 21 points, one rebound, three assists, two blocks, 63% from the floor, and just dominated this game in the fourth quarter. Like, this team is at such a fantastic starting point, and that's what this is, is a starting point. Because you have an MVP-level player who can pass the baton to two all-star caliber players not to mention what you gain in this game from Lou Dort, what you gain in this game from Isaiah Joe, what you gain in this game from Kenny Williams, what you gain in this game from from you know Giddy and Mietich and everyone else. But J-Dub, who, of course, battled illness, like some sort of illness. I don't know about you, but whenever, whenever I get under the weather, I don't feel like doing anything, much less going out in an NBA game against the best defense in the NBA and dropping 21 points. As J-Dub gets more and more comfortable as the guy, and as the games go by, you see it every night, where he's getting more accustomed to leading the show with an OSGA. As that comfortability grows, so does the Thunder's potential. So does the Thunder's ability to knock off top teams in the NBA, and so does the Thunder's ability to go far even this season, much less on down the line, much less what they can eventually build into with a plethora of assets and all that they have uh, compiled up, coming up, let's talk Ludor. Let's talk this team in general. But 1st want to say right now, my good friends over at Game Time, I thought this was a perfect game to use Game Time. You know, I, I think that this is a perfect example of what Game Time is great for because you know, it's the day after Christmas. You're off work. Family's out of school. Family might be visiting in town, and you know, you're trying to figure out: Can I make this work? Can I get to the game today? Oh wait. Giddy's questionable. J-Dub's questionable. Carlton The Towns is questionable. And we didn't learn about J-Dub and Cat, two of the premier players in this game. We didn't learn about J-Dub and Cat until after the coaches talked around, you know, six o'clock for a 7 p.m. tip. But what game time is so good at is their ability to have these last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed flash deals, zone deals. You can find and buy tickets for all kinds of events in your area. You get a view from your seat. You get the lowest prices guaranteed, events cancellation protection, job loss protection. You get it all at game time. So, you know, we all love the NBA. You know, a lot of you listening to this are in Oklahoma and and can oftentimes discuss going to games. You're going to get the last minute tickets, you get the lowest prices, and you can wait until we know the facts of who's playing, who's in, who's out, and what this game will look like. So, I love game time for that reason. I think that you should go check them out today. When you do go download the game time app, create your account, use code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, Go there right now. Terms apply again, create your account redeem code locked on NBA L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off your first purchase. Go download the game Time app, create your account for the last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Make sure you go check out the Lockdown Sports Today YouTube channel. It is a 24-hour streaming channel uh, on YouTube to have you cover for all the national stories and local ones with our local experts. Check it out today, 24-7 sports streaming channel, first of its kind on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Today. Now, Lou Dort. I mean, goodness gracious. This was a game that just showed you, again, Ludort stepping up in the big moment, Ludor stepping up in a big game, but it is so underrated. Just the pure energy levels that it takes to play the way Ludort plays in these games. And against this matchup specifically. He chased Ant all around the floor. He, he never wanted to switch off of Ant. He never wanted to stay with screeners. He was chasing him around the world, keeping up with his every step, shadowing around the court. That takes a lot out of you. But he still hit three first-half threes. He, he had an unbelievable shooting night while playing that way defensively. He could find water in the desert. He was shooting the ball so well. Everything was falling. 20 points, four boards, two steals, two blocks only one heat check which was you know good for Lutort to to play that way right like you you're playing at such a high level that it's natural to want to do more on nights where you're feeling it but yet Ludor still went 5 for 6 from 3 and missed one shot inside the arc which was a heat check step back mid-range shot you'll take that any day of the week any day of the week and he had, you know, one of his two turnovers was bad and one heat check was bad, but like, that's fine. Because we've also, you know, to Lou Dort's credit, like, yes, it was a heat check. I don't think he'd have been taking that shot in that moment had he been shooting the ball, you know, one for four from three. But in general, we've seen Lou Dort hit that jumper. We've seen Lou Dort shoot a career best 42% from, from uh, mid-range this year. 50% in the short mid-range this year. So, like, that shot had a good chance of going in, even though it was a heat check. And then he had a nice rim finish and transition, where, like, it, you know it, it looked a bit clunky, but it's because of the patience he, he showed, where you saw him against the Lakers. Transition chance, just goes full speed ahead, plows to the rim, throws up a shot, chased down block by LeBron. This time, he uses his body as the shield between the ball and the rim. Gets the defender on his back who's trying to chase him down. Well, the defender is obviously trying to chase him down, so he has all of his momentum already hitting at the rim. So for you to just stop and not put a shot up leaves him with no contest because he just went full sprint to get to you, and you didn't shoot. Then he goes up on a delayed uh, finish and finishes at the rim. Good job in transition, an area that he has admittedly struggled in a lot. Uh, in his career, but much less this season. But still, this was a perfect offensive game from Lou Dort, and and not just a, not just the the shooting percentages. Those are nice. It's a make or miss league, though. Sometimes those shots are not going to go in. But when he elected to shoot, when he elected to keep the ball moving, both very good from Lou Dort. And again, the the energy it takes to play his brand of basketball, and he'll do the same thing tonight against Jalen Brunson, is underrated. Of like just how much that takes out of you. And for him to do it night in and night out is impressive. Josh Giddey, I, I thought it was one of his better games of the season. Three assists early in the first quarter, about three minutes in, he had three assists. Finishes that first quarter with six assists. Uh, finishes the game with just seven, though. Uh, you know, I say just seven, you know, after the first quarter, only had one more. Uh, but overall, I, I, I thought bigger than stats in this game. And, and the stats were fine for, for Josh Giddey. It was a good Josh Goody game. Ten points, seven assists two boards only two turnovers one was plucked away on a rebound so it was not a a playmaking turnover which is what i think really matters for Josh Giddy if you fumble the ball away or, or get the ball wrestled away from you on a, on, a, on a rebound exchange who cares in the broader sense we usually look at turnovers through for Josh Giddy and view them through a playmaking prism so it's important to denote when they're not playmaking turnovers to kind of you know give the clear picture on what happens seven assists over the really, you know one turnover uh, for Josh uh, 57% from the floor, 0 for 2 from 3. Again, good stat game, but forgetting the stats. He only had one miss inside the arc, And the process of this game for Josh Giddy was why I would say it is his best game of the year. He was very decisive when cutting to the rim. He was very decisive when attacking the rim, which led to free throws. He had a sidestep floater uh, from Nas. I, I Again, I, I, it was not a perfect game from Josh. I would still prefer... Uh, a, a few times he settled for floaters where I think that he, if he would have used or trusted his athletic ability, he could have gotten to the rim harder or and at least either got free throws or got a, a better look than a floater at the rim. But still, you know, had a, had a sidestep floater over Nas. Uh, he had the hard attack to uh, get free throws. He had the hard cut from the top of the key from, uh, to have Chet find him for an easy layup. And even his three-point misses were fluid misses. And and I say that to differentiate from, from what I mean is like against Minnesota, the first go cool around, you get the ball top of the key or in the slot, primarily in the slot, and be wide open. Nobody around him. Everyone's just looking at him. And he holds the ball, doesn't pass it, doesn't shoot it, doesn't drive. Like he just holds the ball like a deer in headlights. And that's when you play bad basketball if you're Josh Kitty. In this game, His misses were decisive. His good plays were decisive. He was making overall just quicker decisions offensively, which is what helped this feel like a much better flowing offensive game and what helped lead the Thunder to their best output uh, in terms of field goal percentage and their highest assist game against the best defense in the NBA in a matchup where conventional wisdom tells you they are best suited to exploit by going to zone and having Rudy Rome, you know, Josh Giddey's weaknesses. But when you make quick decisions and force Minnesota to, to react to you versus being being the, be able to be proactive, they're not having to be reactive, that's when you see Josh Giddey play at his best. And that's when you see, when if you play him along the Thunder, the, the, the Thunder get to play better as well. And let's not put the cart before the horse here. There is a much larger sample size This season, and only looking at this season, a much larger sample size of bad basketball from Josh Giddey versus good basketball. So he's got to continue to build on this. But the reason I say go with the stats, even though they were fine stats, if he continues to make quick decisions, I think he'll continue to have the success he had today. It's when you get into the indecisiveness, it's when you get into the ball stopping, that is what really just grinds out the Thunder offense to a screeching hole and makes Josh Kitty unplayable. And part of what made Josh Giddy, uh, you know, more suited to play in this game was also his engagement level defensively. Because it's one thing to just be a bad defender, but there were, there were times this year where Josh Kitty was not even a hideable defender because of his lack of engagement and lack of just effort defensively. This was a much better game in that category, and it's what made Josh Kitty a hideable defender and a, and a guy you could keep on the floor again Josh Giddey did not play at this point of attack elite level defensively but he did play at a playable level defensively I don't know what it's going to take to click that he's got to do that night in and night out same thing with being decisive and, and, and having quick reactions but you got to point out when it happens and hopefully for his sake you know the 21 year old guard can can string together games like this and he'll have another chance to come back and do it again you know against the against the uh, New York Knicks you know, in in less than 24 hours. Kenneth Williams cannot say enough about Kenny Hustle. The the way he just injects life into the team, into the crowd, into the game. Three-pointer into the Wolves' timeout to put OKC up nine. Wrestles the ball away from Cat for a jump ball, and there was a little bit of chippiness there on the jump ball, just as there was a lot of chippiness uh, last year, Kenny Hustle against Minnesota. He defended and switched on to Ant at times, walling him off on drives, while also being a really good defender of Cat and and defending down low well when the Thunder wanted to go small, which just highlights his high-level, dare I say, elite-level switchability. And when after the game, I asked Shea, I asked J-Dub, I asked Dort about Kenny Hustle. And the words were all very similar and all meant the same thing. He's a dog. He's a nasty defender, switchable defender, energy, hustle. That's what encapsulates Kenrich Williams. And that is something the Thunder desperately need. Like Kenrich Williams is the enforcer. And the enforcer is not some goon that you see in hockey in bad hockey movies uh, that just goes out there and beats up the other team. But it's a guy who plays the game the right way, who does the dirty work. And who can push around an opponent if you need them to. If you take Kendrick Williams out of the equation, which the Thunder had to do to start the year due to injury, due to the back spasms, they are a totally different team mentality-wise, intensity-wise, and effort-wise. When you plop him back in, you see it do a 180 in a positive direction. Like, I I think that while his box score will not be eye-popping, probably ever, you know, it's six points, it's three boards, two assists, a steal, two for three from three, now shooting 50% from three on the year. While his box score will never be just this gaudy, these gaudy numbers, the the importance of Kenneth Williams can never be understated. Same with Isaiah Joe. Like Isaiah Joe, two for three from beyond the arc, eight points, but really good positionally, defensively two assists, two boards, and he flies in for a putback that really iced this game, which is like the third win in a row that you can trace back the dagger. You can trace back the moment the game turned for good to an Isaiah Joe important rebound where he goes and high points the ball and just out efforts the other team. Happening against Denver, there's a big moment like that in a crucial part of the game against L.A., and now tonight, Meet you Scott minutes, and so so part of the minutes was because that uh, up until the end of shootaround, the Thunder didn't know if Josh Giddy was going to play, if J Dub was going to play. So you take those two guys out, and the Thunder desperately need playmaking. They desperately need 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 someone who can run the offense. So you had to operate for the last few days and for today, for the majority of today. That like Mijic was going to be forced to play, and so once you operate that way and you change the routines, and you change the rhythms. Uh, you know, again, Michich usually pregame around four o'clock goes through a very intense workout, a more intense workout than usual because there's a good chance that that you know to this point in the year he hadn't playing. So like you've got to get your work in, uh, e- even on game days, and, and there was no such workout today for Mijic because because the rotation changed and the. And the kind of, you know, the, the rhythms of the day changed for Micic. So whenever you change that routine, you've got to then let it ride, even though Josh and J-Dub ended up being able to play. So that, that that's kind of a peek inside of why the Thunder played Micic. Uh, also, you know, the Thunder have a very tough stretch coming up. Second night of back-to-back tonight, uh, playing you know, Friday and, and Sunday, and then January hits. January is a back to back here, a back to back there, three games and four nights over here, ton of road games, ton of tumultuous games, travel, and playing tough opponents. So you know, January is going to be tough, and you're going to have to play Michich and other players a lot more, you know, whenever that hits. Like the Thunder have been incredibly healthy. Like today, today they literally were fully healthy and they had to make healthy scratches of, of, of three players to get down to the 15 active player role, which was Poku and Giante and Lindy. So, you know, Micic had to stay ready, had to get ready, and then had to go perform, even though, you know, Giddy and, and Jada did play. Uh, the, the only minutes where I didn't like Michich on the floor was, was whenever he was out there with Josh Giddy. And, like, that's, that's nothing that, that he can control, necessarily, because, like, he's not the coach of, of, like, deciding the rotations. And I think that that was more so uh, out of an awkwardness of a dead ball scenario versus, like, a planned lineup that they wanted to run and run out there. But, obviously, yeah, Micic and Giddy together, they, they cannot play together uh, that, that, that just is two bad defenders versus three, you know, no matter who, no matter the three you put around them, they're not going to be compatible defensively. But other than that, uh, I, I thought that he had an elite level passing. He, he had a whip pass. that was beautiful. The case in, in, the dunker spot, very nice pass, very nice skip pass as well. Uh, four an assist ends up with four assists and being a plus seven with three fouls, a turnover, two boards. The shooting was not great. A lot of the shooting, um, you know, happened, in the fourth quarter and it still was not great, uh, even though it was in garbage time, but still uh, I don't think that it's, there's ever been a question of if Meechish can play. And again, four of those misses over four came in the fourth quarter uh, for the one for seven total. Uh, I I don't think that the question was ever if Meechish could play offensively, but it's, it's finding a role for him defensively. That will be key. But I think that as the season goes on and you saw him, you know, play in the middle of the zone today, which was an interesting wrinkle to play him in the middle of the zone. Uh, I think as the season goes on, he'll find spots that he can play uh, and matchups that he can play against. I, I think that you could use him uh, on defense, similar to the way they use Bretons where like Bretons is an awful defender, but sometimes you want him in the game for a shooting. So you, you try to find the spots where the other team has a stationary corner, three point shooter and all that that person is going to do is sit in the corner and wait for the ball. Anyone can defend that with a little bit of effort, and Breton gives a whole lot of effort, so you love that opportunity if you're the Thunder. Whenever teams play guys like that, you can play Bretons. It's finding what clicks like that for Michich to get him on the floor that will be the hurdle, uh, and also just him overall adjusting to the NBA and adjusting to uh, the pace and the space in the NBA. And, and defending more on an island versus defending in a team concept. But I still believe that with what we know now, watching him work out, watching him play, uh, you know, talking with players and coaches about him, I still believe by year's end, he will be a much larger fixture of this rotation than he is right now. But you know, again, offensively, I think that he proved he can play. Uh, defensively, he still has to figure it out, and and I think that it'll just take time and reps and film sessions and things like that. Uh, Aaron Wiggins, five boards in 13 minutes went a long way in this game for Wiggins. He deserves a shout out. But overall, it's a make or miss league, and the Thunder hit a ton of their shots: 60% from the floor, 46% from three, 81% at the charity stripe. You are not going to lose very many games playing that way. And Minnesota, they they hit really well from three, 44%, but just 46% from the floor, which is surprising, of course, because they have Cat and Rudy and Ant gets to the rim and they still inside the arc. You know, you know, you know. Overall, they shot 46% from the floor, 81% from the charity strike for them. The Thunder were minus three in second chance points, but they won fast break points 11 to three. Uh, The Thunder won points in the paint 58 to 44. The Thunder had 10 less turnovers than Minnesota, but Minnesota was a plus 10 on the glass. Uh, And the Thunder did a really good job of playing the waves of this game. And weathering storms and controlling the game just from really wire to wire you know of course there were two late changes and a couple of ties but still you know, really can in control of this game it never there was never a oh no moment for the thunder and they did a really good job of, of battling it out and they'll have a chance to defend that again against new york tonight so we'll be back following this contest against new york uh on tomorrow's show but Today's show is very fun. Leave your thoughts on this game down below on YouTube or on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Also on threads at Ryland underscore styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to A Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.